0: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Sunday evening after just as we demanded. Brendan, we were very clear in our demands for the Chicago Cubs team when we last recorded, and that was that we wanted to be bringing the brooms when we recorded on this Sunday evening and bring the brooms we did. The Cubs sweep the Pittsburgh Pirates out of Wrigley Field, putting up over 10 runs in every game. The scores for the Cubs this particular weekend looking more like a football team than a baseball team, which is always fun. But at what cost, Brendan? We don't know yet. Anthony Rizzo leaves the game on Sunday after rolling his ankle trying to field a bunt in the bottom of, or excuse me, the top of the third inning against the Pirates on Sunday. We are still awaiting word on that. So we will obviously talk about that. Uh, we will talk about where the Cubs are in the division with the Brewers taking two out of three from the Cardinals in their weekend set in St. Louis. We will take a look at the wild card. We will talk about all of the runs and homers and everything that the Cubs offense was able to muster together this weekend and anything else that that happens to come up. It, it is uh, a wild ride here for the 2019 <laughs> Chicago Cubs oh, yeah. uh, from where we were at the end of that Padres series and where we were. We are right now, and only having a a short period left in this season. It's going to be, uh, I think you're going to need to keep your seatbelt buckled pretty much for the duration here. It's going to be a wild ride, and uh, maybe something we haven't seen yet with this version of this Cubs team. But, Brendan, I want to. go to Rizzo first, just because I think that that is is what is on a lot of people's minds. Uh, And as I always do when we talk about this stuff, we're recording this. It is 6.04 p.m. exactly in Chicago. Uh, So if you are listening to this on Monday morning, make sure you check with the beat writers or with us at CubsInsider.com for the updates if we get the MRI results for Rizzo. What we know now, again, 6.04 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, this from Jordan Bastion, friend of the podcast and MLB.com, he writes, nothing new post-game on Rizzo. Nothing new, meaning he was being evaluated for a sprained ankle. The initial x-ray did not reveal any fractures or any damage like that. He will have an MRI on Monday, and the Cubs will provide more more information then. Joe Madden went on to say, quote, we'll wait and see how it plays out. There's the potential that it's not going to be that long. Let's just remain optimistic and see what they say tomorrow. So, we're not going to really react in any particular way because we just don't know. It didn't look great, but so many times the initial observation on TV or from the stands doesn't necessarily match what the ultimate result is. We've seen plenty of guys walk off the field under their own power and it's, you know, some disaster of a thing. We've seen guys get carried off, carted off, and it ends up not being a big thing. So we're not going to read into it Too much. We're going to let the results play out. Uh, But what I do want to say, Brendan, and I'm sure you can follow this with a a similar sentiment, is similar to what we said in regards to Javi Baez when we found out that he was going to miss the rest of the regular season. I think we've done a pretty good job on the Cubs related podcast, Brendan, of making it clear how valuable Anthony Rizzo is to this team, uh, Mm -hmm. how valuable he has been to this team. We don't call him, and I say we as the larger fan base. We don't call him the unofficial, official captain of the Chicago Cubs for nothing. This man is the heart and soul. I also said Javi Baez is the heart and soul. They can have more than one heart (laughs) and soul. They all are. Yeah, Yeah, like don't, don't, uh, you're getting semantic there. They're they're both the heart and soul. But Anthony Rizzo means so much to this team. I think if you look back over the course of, of this era of Cubs baseball, the face of the franchise for this entire process would be, unquestioned anthony rizzo and what he means to this team to this community to all of us as fans cannot be overstated so We will hope for the best with these results. Uh, His importance to this team, you saw what he's been doing in the leadoff spot since he was moved there, and just what he has done, especially on offense for this team, on a consistent basis. One of the most consistent players in baseball with his top-of-the-league production at the first-base position, so it's, it's impossible to, I think, overstate how valuable he is to this team and what any potential loss, even if it was just a couple games, would mean to this team in the situation that they are in but we are going to as we record this send good vibes to Anthony Rizzo and hope that it is nothing super serious and something that he can come back from and contribute to this team in 2019 and just like I said with Javi Baez and I mean this from with the utmost sincerity and like from the bottom of my heart I love you Anthony Rizzo <laughs> it destroyed me to watch him on the ground in pain I can't state enough how much I love this man and what he means to all of us as Cub fans. So we are hoping for the best, Anthony, and again check on Monday morning, check in with the beat writers. The, the MRI results sometimes come at different times. I wouldn't necessarily expect it right in the morning. It, it trickles out. So just keep with it. We will keep you updated at CubsInsider.com. Check with the beat writers, etc., cetera, and, and make sure you are getting the most up-to-date information. But Brendan, that is my Anthony Rizzo diatribe to start this podcast.
1: Well, it sucks, man. He, he is the face of this entire rebuild. This year, he has a 388 weighted on base average. For example, Chris Bryant has a 387. So you're losing basically someone like a Chris Bryant, and it sucks. That being said, though, there's not that many games left. What do we have? 12 or 13 games left. And in these types of small samples, let's say Rizzo does at best, Corey, just miss one or two weeks. Let's hope and pray it's only one or two weeks. The Cubs can still get by. I mean, they put up 47 runs in this series, many of which off the bats of people who are not Anthony Rizzo. It sucks. I'm physically ill trying to think about this team without Rizzo. My Monday will be spent refreshing Twitter nonstop. I will be not productive whatsoever at work the entire day. Just how it works. So you hope, you pray that it is fine. Chris Bryant did say in the clubhouse after the game that he was in good spirits, Chris or uh, Rizzo was in good spirits. And as you said, Madden is being optimistic because he says it has the potential to not be that long. That's what we have to do at, at this point. The, at least for now, no fracture. You know, he at least was putting a little bit of weight on the ankle. I'm not trying to read too much into this. You just you just don't know. These ankle injuries can range from taking one week off to three months off. Who knows what it ends up being. I think the way these MRIs work, though, we're not going to get the information until A few hours before the game starts right so we'll see it's it sucks Corey but I think the the biggest takeaway we have is you have to move on and the way Castellanos has played the way Bryant played the series the way Schwarber continues to play the Nico Horner boost the Ben Zobrist boost Ian Happ had a home run Contreras smashing balls all over the place some of these guys are coming into their own at the best time so you get through these two weeks, you win that division, which are now back into it, and you hope that Rizzo can come back healthy and ready to go in October or towards the last few games of the season against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, it's just such a short period of time left in this season that whether Anthony's able to come back soon or towards the end or not at all, it, you just have to keep doing what you can to win games. It's it's a very small sample, and even the worst teams in a 13-14 game span can put together really significant winning streaks et cetera. so whoever's out there you just have to put your head down and keep doing what they're doing which is is winning games so
1: I mean that's what Milwaukee did right they lose Yelich they go back out right. and they win a series against the St. Louis Cardinals uh, a, a very important series right. for them and doing so coming back so it is it is possible it sucks I'm going to be physically ill like I said but in two weeks anything can happen even a Tampa Bay you know not Tampa Bay is this year but even like a team like the Royals for example can go and win you know the majority of the games it's just how baseball works
0: Right. So uh, let's get into this Pirates series, uh, because again, we we, we don't have what will ultimately be the most current and important information on Rizzo. So that's all we can say. Love you, Tony. Hope it, it all goes well, and we get to see you back on that field where you belong as soon as possible. But turning to this series with the Pirates, and Brendan, this was exactly what the Cubs needed to do. And they put up a ton of runs in this series. It it, it got off to a rough start. Uh, The game on Friday, we had that four-run first inning for the Pirates against John, and some of it certainly not his doing. Uh, I think Albert had at least one throwing error in that first inning. I don't know what was going on there. Uh, That play that got away from Wilson at the plate, and then he didn't throw the ball to John, covering the plate. It was just a mess, and and you're thinking, this is not how I was hoping this weekend was going to start. And, you know, this looks like a... Familiar game, right? Like, I've seen this game before where it just gets away from them and uh, doesn't really come back. But that was one of the takeaways that I had, Brendan, from this weekend was multiple times this Cubs team, again, it's against the stinky loser scumbag Pirates, but their ability to be resilient in in these spots, I I think, really showed through in a couple of these games, Friday and Sunday, obviously. And in both occasions, the Cubs on Friday go down four to nothing. They immediately put up uh, that, what was it, a five spot, in fly, the fly, bottom yeah. half of the first inning. So right away, they waste no time in getting those runs back, flipping the script, and everybody's having a rocking time at Wrigley on Friday. The Cubs end up scoring 17 runs to win 17 to eight. And the, the ability, again, for them not to let that top half of the first inning ruin the game, just kind of, you know, let, let it fade away. And, and we've seen that from this team at times. So I, I was very pleased to see them not messing around and get themselves right back in that game. I think that, you know, speaks to, we know that this team and we, you and I have said this all along, that they are capable of so much more than the position that they are in, in this particular season. And and I think those moments really show it. It's like, this is what this offense is capable of. This is what this team is capable of. Like them going down four to nothing to the Pirates should never be a death sentence for this team with all the talent that they have. And they were able to show that. So, uh, There there was an awful lot of offense in this series. I, I don't necessarily want to recap it all game by game because it literally would take three hours to get through this. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, reading a, a tweet from Jordan Bastion of MLB.com at MLBastian on Twitter. He said the Cubs belted 14 home runs in this three-game set. On Friday, it was Wilson Contreras twice. And obviously, you guys were watching the games, but being there in person too, Wilson was hitting piss rocket on Friday just hitting the absolute all over the field yeah piss out of the ball that was great to see uh Castellanos with Homer on Friday Nico Horner with his first Wrigley Field home run that was very exciting a cool moment to be at Anthony Rizzo with a grand slam on Friday Saturday Ben Zobrist with his first of the year Chris Bryant with his first of the weekend Nico Horner again on Saturday Anthony Rizzo on Saturday again. And on Sunday, Chris Bryant goes deep twice. Ian Happ once, Ooh. Kyle Schwarber once, and Jonathan Lucroy once. So that was all very exciting. And I, I said it was Nico Horner's first Wrigley home run, which it was, but it was also his first major league home run. So just to make sure I, I get all the milestones out there. So on
1: the first pitch he saw at Wrigley Field Corey. Yes,
0: that was very exciting. He was really pumped. He did like a few uh double fist clench, like running I around the it. bases. He was I pumped. It. Uh and so cool. I mean they, they put it up on the scoreboard, man. Like he's born in nineteen ninety seven. Like I'm not usually one of those like man i feel old type of people because you you and i aren't that old but when you're when you see guys born in 1997 hitting home runs and playing starting shortstop for the cubs it it definitely is like wow okay well i was not doing that when i was 22 years old but uh (laughs) we're happy to have you nico one way or the other so uh, again, this was a very productive weekend for the Cubs. Again, 17 to 8, the final on Friday, 14 to 1, the final on Saturday, that a combination of the Cubs offense exploding once again and a gem from Kyle Hendricks, and then on Sunday in the finale, the Cubs winning 16 to 6. That is a lot of runs, Brendan. So it, there there were And again, the other resilient moment was on that Sunday. They have that nightmare of an inning where Pittsburgh takes the lead. They put up a five spot. Anthony Rizzo leaves the game. And you're thinking, okay, again, like this is an opportunity. This is a tough moment to recover from. This is a tough—you just watched your, your leader go out with an injury. Jose Quintana wasn't really able to settle down. And again, for the offense to come back and not only come back in the game, but blow the door open on the game, I thought was really impressive. Whether it's against the Pirates or not, they easily could have let these games get away from them. And Joe managed aggressively, I think, in in both of these games and they, they got themselves back in it. So I thought it was overall a really good showing and very rare that you and I demand a sweep, Brendan, but good on them for coming through.
1: We needed that too. And I think even in that first game, Lester giving up four runs in the first inning, one of which definitely not his fault with that literally gath out there, but him settling down, giving the Cubs five innings after going down four nothing, getting a lead back, and coming off a series where they disappointed in San Diego, coming off another, you know, the same series with Theo Epstein blasting them on the score, how much better of a response do you need? They scored 47 runs in three games, 47 off the bats of everyone, Castellanos, ripping doubles, left field, right field, Schwarber, same thing, going oppo with authority nonstop. Nico continues to play well. And I got to say, Corey, like David Bodie in particular, this yeah. series- Pretty good, man. And I'm looking at his numbers this year. I'm like shocked how good they are. I didn't realize how good they are until I looked at it. He's a 342 weighted on base average, a 110 WRC plus, a UZR of four, plus four at second base. Same thing with his defensive run saved, plus four. All of this in 340 plate appearances, 117 games, a 1.7 WAR. Corey, that is pretty insane to me because even in in the second half, I didn't feel as if he was being that productive. And for the majority of that second half, that was true. But since coming back from Iowa, he's been a contributor in that first game of the series. He walked three times, three times ahead of Almora and Hayward when he pinched it. Had two hits as well. So I think, or two runs rather, I think Bodie might get more playing time if Rizzo is out for a while. And him, in addition to seeing Ian Hat play well, in addition to seeing Contreras slam the ball, there is optimism with this offense in a lineup absent of Rizzo. And I think that's it's hard to forget and, and put away the thought that Rizzo may not be here, but at the same time, we can't ignore what the other guys did this series. What a response. That is the optimal, the ideal response that you want from your offense
0: i i I didn't know this about myself but i am really into cortisone shots uh, I, I, I really believe two. in them as a as a technique, uh, just because <laughs> Chris Bryant was struggling. We knew he was dealing with that knee injury. It really clearly was affecting him, and boy, did he look good this weekend and for the last few games now since he got that cortisone shot. Obviously, it's not a situation you want to be in. You don't want guys having to get cortisone shots or dealing with things that require them, but he looks like himself. He's hitting the ball with authority. And again, like you said, if you're looking at the potential of a situation where you don't have Anthony Rizzo, even if it's for a couple games, Chris Bryant looking like himself, looking healthy, is extremely important and an extremely good sign for this team and, and where they are right now.
1: Yeah, Bryant on the year now, 31 home runs, 606 plate appearances. He's batting 288. He has a WRC plus of one hundred And- Rizzo being out, he may go to first base. And that might bode well for his injured knee corey. So if he continues to do this, right, if he continues to show this type of power, one of my issues going into this last stretch was how healthy Chris Bryant could be. Because for the majority of August, early part of September, he was not the same guy. I mean, he was batting under 250. His weighted on base average was under 300 for the last like 90 plate appearances. So Bryant coming back, Immediately slamming balls into the left field bleachers, into the basket, playing solid defense. It's a boost of confidence. In fact, probably the biggest boost of confidence that we can get right now. Because if Rizzo is out for an extended period of time, then you have KB going back out there as his normal self, giving you the type of production that Rizzo was giving for parts when Bryant was not producing. So, Huge boost. If there's one big takeaway from this series amongst several, I think it is a healthy KB. It's giving me a lot of confidence going forward. And with two weeks left, if he keeps hitting home runs, this offense will keep continuing
0: to produce runs. I think there's a few guys that obviously you can highlight, and I think the other one is someone who we've we've all talked about, and that's Nick Castellanos. And the dude is unreal. I know, Brendan. I I am like I I know we talked about how obvious a fit he was when he was still with the Tigers, uh, just because he probably wasn't going to cost that much, and he just you know he mashes against left-handed pitching, and just how well he seemed to fit what the Cubs were looking for. But the level to which he has produced for this team, and just in general, is really out of control. He now has 54 doubles, on the season. He had his 54th in the game on Sunday, and I'm just reading tweets from Jordan Bastion because you guys should follow Jordan. He writes for Cubs.com, MLB.com. He's been on the podcast, so I could rotate between the beat writers, but I might as well just stick with Jordan because he's a great guy. So uh, He he also writes that that's the 31st time in MLB history has reached that number of doubles in one season, and there's still however many games left. Like This is just an incredible run from Castellanos and the 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 level to which that trade has worked out for the Cubs is mind blowing. And right. and it's even <laughs> difficult to fathom, Brendan, like where this team would be had they not pulled that trade. And and by all intents and, and, and reports from around that time, this was a, a pretty last minute thing that got pulled out. So the the fact that they were able to pull this off and it has worked so well it's it it is hard to really properly state just how important this has been and that's not even considering what we all perceive and something that you can't really measure but is just what his energy has done for this team and and just that that uh hunger to win and keep fighting and things like that, that, that I think he has provided to this team. So it is really impressive watching him play and, you know, to, to be able to see him in person and how hard he hits the ball every time he puts the bat on the ball. It's a a joy to have him on this team. And I, I am very thankful that Theo pulled that trade at the last minute when he did. So you were at the game when you saw David Bodie get beaned in the head, Did you see Castellanos sprint out right away? Did you see that? I did not, but I told you, Brendan. I messaged Brendan privately and said, if they hit one more person, I'm getting arrested. (laughs) Like, I'm running on this field. I am going for Clint Hurdle because I am tired of this. Uh, We have gone on this rant before. I I don't even think we need to do it again, but there is a reason— That the Pirates don't just get in fights with the Cubs, they don't just get in fights with the Reds, they get in fights with everybody. Because they are bottom feeders of the league, and because they can't win, they sit around and throw at people and try to hit people in the head. It's a total joke, and the fact that Maples is the one that gets ejected in that game right? Like, even putting aside the fact that Maples is extraordinarily wild, and it's not at all surprising that he hits somebody, but that the Pirates are just up and in, up and in, up and in, hitting people, people dodging out of the way, and of course, the, the Cubs guy is the one that, you know, that ultimately gets the boot. It's a joke. I, Clint Hurdle should be in prison, but I'm not going to go on this, this rant again, but I told you. I mean, I, that's what I take everybody in to mean, Brendan. Like, if there's a fight, you know we're part of the team, so we we got to get out there. You know everybody's got to look out for each other. I got to say that was everybody inquiry. Yeah, that was one of my favorite tweets from at Cubs and and the fine folks that that do the social media there, the, the best in the game, no question. Uh, but they, they, just tweeted out BRB right when Bodie got hit. (laughs) I just thought that was, that was pretty funny. Imagining at Cubs busting out of the dugout, uh, was, was a good image. But yeah, I, am I'm glad to be rid of the pirates because you just, you never know. And especially so many games that are blowouts, like you're just waiting for them to do some nonsense, but glad the Cubs survived their, uh, you know, nobody else got hit in the head. So we can just sort of move on from that. Castellanos was sprinting though, Corey. That was and there's a gif of it
1: that uh, I kind of made out there, but it shows him bouncing around, ready to punch someone, tackle someone, whatever he needed to do, he would do it. And seeing him and KB and Rizzo with all the celebrations, like you said, is intangible. How to, you know, quantify his value to the team, to the clubhouse, but to some degree, you can't quantify what his presence does. At the at the top of the order, batting second ahead of a lot of guys who needed boosts in the middle of the order, having someone on base that frequently gives more opportunities to Chris Bryant, and we saw that this series. What did he do? Blasted home runs left and right. Castellanos was on base most of those home runs, Corey. So it does have value in an intangible sense, in terms of affecting other guys. But having someone with that with that knowledge, with that mindset, is akin to that of. Zoborus who comes into the dugout and, you know, shares what he's seen with all these pitchers. And there is value to that, like a scouting, you know, almost an extra scout in the dugout. So Castellanos might be, Corey, I think what, one of the most significant second half deals in Cubs history. Maybe I'm, you know, forgetting some of the other ones, but at least in my lifetime, you know, you look back in 2003, you had Ramos Ramirez, you had Randall Simon, you had Kenny Lofton. I, I can't really put my finger on other guys who have had this much of a contribution immediately and long lasting towards the end of september
0: i think cole hamels last year would probably be in that conversation just because of how well he pitched
1: for sure yeah i mean i have to do cole hamels justice there absolutely but in terms of like offense right like getting some someone into the lineup up top immediately
0: i like i certainly can't remember many other options but but I, I think regardless, you're you're right on. Like he he has just been so valuable to this team, uh, and the the way that he, you know, Joe put him in that two spot pretty much immediately, and he's just stayed there. And the the level to which that has changed the lineup, changed the feel of this offense is is really something. Because again, like you know, he had that hot start, and and you're thinking, okay, this is amazing. But can he keep this up? Can he? play at this pace and like he really has okay so one thing I I wanted to ask you Brendan is going forward now that we've gushed about Nicholas Castellanos for I I think an appropriate amount what if Rizzo misses any time say it's even a game two games right The, the the minimum what do you think or do you have like a hope for how Joe Madden goes about setting up this lineup cuz yes. obviously we've seen different guys spell at first base we've seen Victor Caratini there we've seen Ian Happ there uh, you know, even I think at times throughout the years, Ben Zobrist has moved over there a little bit. I think we've seen Chris Bryant get in there at times in certain games. So obviously, some of those are more realistic in this scenario than others. But just curious what you think the plan might be for how to navigate this, even if it's just for a short time. I think to start off, they're going to use Chris Bryant at fair
1: And the reason being is now you can't afford to take Chris Bryant's bat out of the lineup, even if he's only feeling 75% healthy, right? If you remove KB, now you have no KB, you have no Rizzo, you have no Javi. So playing first base for Chris might get him off his feet a little bit and help him out with that with that knee injury. So I think right away we may see KB at at first base, which means you put David Bodie at third base, or pending the matchup, you put Ian Happ. At third base, I think ultimately what we're going to see over the next you know week or two, if Rizzo is indeed out, is a mixture of all the scenarios. Like you said, you where you have Victor Caratini playing first base when Wilson's catching, you know, and Ben Zobrist at second base, and Ian Happ at first base at times, maybe even Ben Zobrist at first base, and you have David Bodie at second base pending the matchups. But I think they can get around this this absence of Rizzo, and I know it's difficult. Like you, you can't replace someone of Rizzo's stature. But they do have the depth to do it. I mean, it's not as if they have, you know, for example, the shortstop situation, right? Once Russell went on the I.L. with a concussion, like, they had no one else but Nico Horner. So it's not as similar to that situation. You can mix and match four guys, Caratini, Zobrist, Hap, and Bryant, and still maintain a sense of comfort defensively in the infield. But my Initial reaction is, yeah, they're going to go with Chris Bryant at first base, probably half the time, and then the other half, you're mixing and matching Ian Hap, Ben Zobers, and Caratini. But, I mean, when Happ came in today, I was impressed how he played. He had a slick double play at first base, a hard-hit ground ball, turns to second base, gets back to first base. for the put out to complete the double play. So I think Hap is capable. I want to see Hap in the the lineup a little bit more. I know the numbers right now don't look the best, but that power potential, the play discipline in a small sample, I feel as if it's more valuable than that in a longer sample. Because at any moment, you know, Hap can get on base or he can mash one, which is what he did in that last game.
0: Yeah, so I think this is actually one of those spots where th- there were certain positions on the team where you really felt the lack of depth was a bit concerning, shortstop and catcher in particular. And I think that with first base, the offensive production is not something that you can match. You're just not going to do that. I think expecting anybody to do that or whoever ends up being the technical replacement, Bryant playing first base would not be replacing Rizzo. Whoever's playing third then is replacing Rizzo, right? right? But I do think that they're actually fairly well suited to at least have somebody in the lineup that you're not really stretching, right? Like, this isn't a Jonathan Lucroy situation. No offense to Lucroy, who hit one onto Waveland today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at shortstop, where it was Russell, and then David Bode, who's who's not a shortstop. Like, Victor Caratini has done a really nice job for this team all year. And I think the fact that he may be in consideration for that, like you said, Ian Hat, not the numbers that we would all want, but still someone you look at as can be productive, is athletic at whatever position you put him at. You know, whether you're getting him more playing time, Caratini, Bodie, whoever it is, I think you're you're not Mad that those guys are going to end up in the lineup. They're not going to replace Rizzo's production, but I don't think you're shoehorning someone who, who you don't want in your major league lineup every day into the lineup. I think these are guys who can produce. They have played a role for this team. And I think that so in terms of who you may end up seeing more of, I think that they're actually not in the worst place for for who that may be and you're really going to be looking at some of these guys like Caratini and Hap, who have stepped up a lot but you're going to be looking at them and saying look guys like these are the final few weeks of the season we're dealing with just some awful injuries awful timing with the injuries and this is your moment like we need you guys to step up the team needs you guys to step up like I think you can look at the guys we have talked about Bryant Castellanos Contreras, Schwarber, who, you know, has has looked extremely good at the plate for a while now. Like, you can look at those guys to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but you're still going to need those little contributions from those other guys that are getting in the lineup. So it's going to be important. It's going to be interesting to see how Joe... Decides to play this, uh, you know. Obviously, Victor's back there. He works really well with some of these pitchers. So, you know, how they decide to do that, and and mixing in Wilson Contreras' playing time, and making sure that you know Wilson is still 100 percent healthy coming back from his injury, it, it it's going to be interesting. It's a challenge for Joe. Like I, I think you know, we we question a lot of what Joe does, but he is in a difficult spot right now. He being without Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo is an extremely tough position for I don't care who the manager is right like those are your two of your best players and two guys who you are slotting in your lineup every single day I will commend with how Madden's managed Horner
1: and I say that because the way he's put him in the lineup right like in today's game he batted six ahead of David Bode. um rather than the first game of the series. He batted six ahead of David Bodie and uh, Albert Mora. So rather than, you know, getting a guy up from double A with extended time off, rather than batting eighth every game ahead of a pitcher, you know, he's getting Horner pitches to hit. And he's productive in those situations. He's been a, a valuable piece of this Cubs, you know, series win. And most managers, maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel as in years past, a lot of managers would be content batting Horner eighth, despite that not being the best spot to get, you know, fastballs, to get pitches that he can hit. And Madden has been consistent with how he treats these guys when they're first called up, gives them pitches to hit, gives them the opportunity to uh, to perform, and Horner has taken advantage of that.
0: Yeah, I love what Joe has done with Horner. Obviously, he's in a bit of a tight spot because Addison still is not back; he's in the concussion protocol. But every day uh, so he's playing, man, like every single. Yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. No matter what, I and I right. and I, I was was having this conversation. I, I met some very fine gents from Cubs Twitter at the game on Friday, and we were you know talking about how, regardless of how this 2019 season plays out, whether it ends in glory or otherwise. This is important for the organization that Nico's getting this playing time, that he's being allowed to grow and, and develop and, and I think get this experience in significant games. I, I don't think that that type of experience is something that we should ignore even in a vacuum. I think it's, it's very valuable and obviously you don't want to be in a scenario where you have to replace Javi Baez. Like how we got there is not exactly uh, a good route but this is a huge step for him. I mean, a guy that's, that again, like we were saying before, like born in 1997, just drafted last year to be the starting shortstop on a daily basis for a... Cubs team that's trying to get into the playoffs like I think this is going to be very good for Nico's development and for all again all of the conversation about Joe and and the 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 criticisms the praise etc one thing that we have always said Joe is one of if not the best in baseball is knowing how to properly bring up these young guys and put them in a position to succeed not overwhelm them and if he saw stuff from nico that he didn't like and he felt like he was you know the game was too fast for him or things like that joe wouldn't be putting him out there every right day. so and I that's think the why fact they won the joe, world series
1: in 2016 right like he but well, they did win group, the world series in 2016 did. People right forget that but he gets a group of people whether they be rookies or second years some of them are third years And he gives them chances to succeed. And I know the past two or three years have been tough. A lot of the scouts have adjusted to the Cubs lineup, and Joe has not been able to, you know, help some of these guys adjust at an efficient rate. But that being said, for new guys in, Joe is more than willing to give them opportunities, but put them in opportunities where success is more likely than failure. And I think that is. If not the best trait of Joe Madden, and why Theo hired him, and unfortunately why Joe may not be the voice for this next you know few years just because the core is aging. But at the end of the day, that is what Joe does well. And for Nico in the, in the next two weeks, there's no reason to believe that he can't keep producing this well. Again, it takes a while for the league to adjust to these guys. And Nico is mashing pitches left right. And right, and I think you can continue to expect that to some degree in two weeks. You know, it's it's very possible that Nico is your guy every single day going forward, going into October, if they go deep until Javi
0: Bias comes back. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I like what I have seen from him in the field and just in general. He he looks like he belongs. And I think for someone that has as little pro baseball experience as he does and for as young as he does, that's that's really impressive and, and a testament to, you know, the Cubs group that drafted him and, and got him along this process. So that has been exciting in a vacuum, like regardless of what's going on with the standings and anything like that. But Brennan, I I, I do want to transition to that because this is quite the, the situation the Cubs are in, right? Uh, so again, the Brewers take two of three from the Cardinals, and it didn't look like it was going to go that way. The Cardinals won that first game, uh, and they were up two to nothing with Flaherty on the mound on Saturday. They ultimately blow that game, uh, and they were up by a run in the ninth inning on Sunday, and a Ryan Braun grand slam closes the door on that game. Brewers winning seven to six. So again, taking two of three. So, as you listen to this on Monday morning, where we are in the NL Central, the Cardinals still lead the division. The Cubs are two games back. The Brewers are three games back. So then if you look at the wild card standings, the Cubs trail the Nationals by a game and a half for that first wild card spot, and the Brewers are a game back of the Cubs for the second wildcard spot. So Nationals have the one, one and a half ahead of the Cubs. Brewers one behind them, so two and a half behind the Nationals. That's the lay of the land. You have the Mets at three and a half behind the Brewers, the Phillies at four and a half, and the Diamondbacks at five and a half. So it's very crowded in that particular spot. But I was curious, Brendan, as you were watching these games with the Brewers and the Cardinals playing, and obviously it's over with now, but did you find yourself leaning one way or another? Because I think there's multiple ways to look at this because while the Brewers winning gets you closer to the division, it's now just two games. Remember, the Cubs have seven games left with the St. Louis Cardinals. So having that number at three or lower, I think, because you're going to have them at four at Wrigley Field to end the Wrigley Field slate for the year is hugely important. That means if you take care of business, you're going to be winning the division, right? At the same time, now you have Milwaukee still breathing down your neck when, when the Cubs played them or when the Cardinals played them. Had they lost either series, really, they might be a little more dead in the water, especially with Christian Jelic out for the year. So did you find yourself leaning one way or another as, as far as, as I always say, we're never rooting for the Cardinals or Brewers, but did you have a preference as to who was losing? The way the series worked out was
1: perfect in my mind. You gain two games on St. Louis. You gain one game on Milwaukee. But the w- the way I wanted the series to work out was Milwaukee to win two out of three. And reason being is because now you have more opportunities to get to the playoffs. The division's back in play. You're two games back. You have seven games against that particular team that's ahead of you. And you're ahead of the Brewers as well. So now you have more opportunities to get into the playoffs, whether that be through the division, or through the wild card. And the fact that the Cardinals lost that last game on a Ryan Braun grand slam, hate Ryan Braun, always will, one of the most despicable human beings in all of baseball, right? But the fact that St. Louis lost that game, like that, one out away from winning the series, from sustaining a three-game lead with less than 15 games to go in the season, was heart-wrenching for that fan base, heart-wrenching for that team. So the way it worked out, ideal. You're two games back in the division. You're one game ahead of Milwaukee. You're in a position where now you have several scenarios in which the Cubs can make the playoffs. So the way I found that to happen was perfect, Corey.
2: Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
0: Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home.
1: They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser Permanente.
0: I feel really, really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis.
1: Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health the mid States. Two One Zero One East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland. 20852.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Again, I know that there's different ways to look at this, and I I don't think that there's a wrong way to look at this. I, I think if your focus is I just want the Cubs to get in the playoffs and have a chance, you know, maybe you prefer the Brewers are gotten rid of, and then if you can take care of St. Louis anyway, you you'd still have that shot. I, I don't think there's a wrong way to look at this, but from my perspective, I'm with you, Brennan. I think you try for that division at. All costs, right. and after that San Diego series, you know, we said it looked tough. I mean, being four games out of the division with such a short schedule to play is a, a, a daunting task. But I, I think, in any way, shape, or form, if you can avoid playing in a one-game playoff, especially when it looks like it's going to be against Max Scherzer, potentially Steven Strasburg, if they decide to use him out of the bullpen, and depending on how this all plays out you know you might have to go to Washington to do it then you have to burn probably Kyle Hendricks and then you can't use him till later in the series even you guys know the deal right so I think if you can avoid that you do it at any cost and and for my money like I said if you you have this at two the Cubs you know have this series coming up with the Reds if you can have it within striking distance, even if it's four games by the time St. Louis comes to town, but but three or two or even one, like that means if you play good baseball and you win those games at home and you take care of business, Simple then you're going to be atop the division. Exactly. So I think that is what I was rooting for. I again would never say that I was happy that Ryan Braun hit a home run. But I was happy that the Cardinals gave up a grand slam to lose the game. In that if that, if that makes sense, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think you you got to avoid the wildcard game at no any cost. That is just so tough. And for all the ups and downs that this team has been through, one thing that you and I, in particular, have been so insistent on is that th- they have that potential. We know that potential is in there. And if you can get this team in a series, it it would likely, almost assuredly, be against the Atlanta Braves. But this team. If they win win the division, yeah. Right, yeah. Sorry, right. If they win the division. Yeah. This team can win three of five games against anybody. Whether you think that that is likely, not likely, who knows? It doesn't matter. But we know that this team has that potential. It is not a big ask to say, okay, we need you, Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, and say John Lester to pitch good games in the playoffs, keep the team in it, Castellanos is ripping doubles, KB's ripping home runs, Schwerber. Schwarber, et cetera, right? Nico. And we'll yeah. see. We'll yeah. see. If you yeah. can get Javi back, if he's capable of playing at all, if Rizzo's able to be healthy for those games, I don't know. Those are huge blows. But even still, with the group that <laughs> is available right now, even if you're discounting both of those guys playing again, Like, I genuinely believe that this group can win a series against any team. So, that's all to say, just try and win the division. Take a chance at a five-game series with this group and see if they can get hot at the right time. Because the problem with the wildcard game is you can be playing your best baseball and you can have a game that goes all sorts of different directions. I mean, I think back to that game 5 with the Nationals in 2017. Oh my god. Like yeah. that's a back and forth affair, both teams yeah. with with big blows and good performances, bad performances, and it, it didn't matter where those teams were at the end of the year. It didn't even matter how the rest of that series played out. It all comes down to one game, a lot of runs everybody you know, coming out of the bullpen, et cetera, and anything can happen. But in a series, you're at least able potentially to show what you're really made of. And again, I, I will uh, you know, go to bed every night believing, no matter what, that this group is capable of putting it together. Whether they do it at the right time remains to be seen, but I genuinely believe that they have the talent and the experience and, and the personnel to get that done. So win the division at all costs. That's, I think, the official Cubs-related podcast position. (laughs) The Cardinals have a tough stretch coming up right away. Washington is going to St. Louis for
1: a three-game set. No off days after that. And then the Cubs are going to be welcoming the Cardinals to Wrigley Field. And then the Cardinals, after that series, have to face the Diamondbacks by traveling to Arizona, a West Coast trip, just before they finish off a three-game set in St. Louis against the Cubs. This is tough for St. Louis, man. It's re- like Don't discount this type of schedule. That West Coast trip could be huge. And I know the Diamondbacks have been playing subpar lately, but they sweep a series, Corey. They could be back in the wild card race as well. Those might be very important games for Arizona, very high-stress type games. This is not going to be easy for the Cardinals to sustain. I mean, we know exactly what happened to the Cubs last year when Milwaukee made their run. And despite Rizzo being out, despite Javi being out, Schwarber, Castellanos, Nico, those guys have been carrying the team. And Castellanos and Schwarber in particular have been doing so for like almost eight weeks, Corey. Eight weeks. This is a long sustained stretch of success. And now Chris Bryant is looking healthy after that cortisone shot. Now Hugh Darvish is looking like one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. You get into a series, anything can happen. Rowan Wick has been lights out for the most part. Brad Wick has been a shut down lefty reliever. Kinsler has looked healthy. Kimbrell, God willing, will be back by the end of next week. They can do this. I I genuinely believe that. It's just that has not clicked. It clicked in this three game series. Not going to lie. On a weekly basis, the emotions go up. They go down. The confidence goes up. They go down. 47 runs in three games. I don't care who it's against. I don't care if I'm pitching out there. 47 runs in three games is a substantial, significant sign about what you could possibly expect with some of these hitters going forward. And Schwaber, Castellanos, Nico, KB, Contreras, Victor Caratini, Zobris, Ian Happ, they had a great series. They look, for the most part, healthy, and that should be enough despite no Rizzo, no Javi in a small series. Go out there, take care of business against a weak team, go out there and take five and seven against St Louis and this divisions one Corey it is that simple so a few scenarios that have to play out let's say the Cubs go seven and six okay St Louis if they go four and nine you're you're done that divisions the Cubs and let's say at best the Cubs go you know like realistically nine and four okay if the Cubs go nine and four St Louis if they go six and seven 500 baseball they lose the division nine and four is not crazy not out of the realm of possibility even if the Cubs go like eight and five, St. Louis, they go five and eight, division's over. It's as simple as sustaining 500 against teams that are not St. Louis, going into St. Louis, taking care of business, celebrating. Corey, can you imagine? Imagine this right now for me celebrating in St. Louis another division with all this yes. adversity.
0: Yes, I'm into it. I'm here for it. And. I don't care what anybody's record is or what the expectations were going in. The narrative we would be selling is definitely that the Cardinals blew the division. Okay, <laughs> oh, you can no take that it. to the bank. We we'll dealt with t-shirts. enough of those takes of a 95 win Cubs team last year being accused of blowing it, right? Even yeah. though they played pretty well and just got passed by the the steam train of Christian Yelich, right? Uh, but we are definitely selling that as the Cardinals blowing this division, and that's what we are hoping for, and that's what the Cubs have the potential to go out and do. Because again, yeah. they control that. You're not only asking for other teams to beat the Cardinals while you're off doing something else. You are going to have a direct role in seven of these games. So just put your head down and keep winning. That is all we need this team to do. Yep. And before I let you preview this series with the Reds, Brendan, I do just want to say uh, with these two wins on Saturday and Sunday, the Cubs did surpass the 79-win projection by Pacoda. Huh, so interesting. sucks for baseball prospectus and their stupid projection model, which if you look at how they laid out a lot of those divisions is really not good. And I would not... Uh I am not a subscriber to Baseball Prospectus. Uh, I've said many times before that the Cubs-related podcast is an F-War podcast, Fangraphs War, not mm-hmm. B-War, Baseball yep. Prospectus War. Uh, so I, I maintain that that standpoint. I think we all knew that 79 wins, even if the Cubs are not playing at their best, was ridiculous. And the fact that they projected them to be at the bottom of this division was even more ridiculous. So just a, a quick dunking on of that projection model and how adamant some of their writers were that those projections were right and that they were super smart and all this other stuff. So it's, it's all just a reminder that the game is still played by human beings on the field, no matter how much we dig into this stuff. And you just got to let some of this stuff play out. But with that, I will turn it to you, Brendan. Thank you. And one last point with that. We, we
1: said it on the podcast before. The projections that are out there even like the Pythag record, right? The standard deviation for your record is plus or minus six wins, okay? That is an enormous amount of variance, okay? So even if you can predict with 100% accuracy how many runs a baseball team is going to score and give up in the year, you are looking at a standard deviation of like five wins. This game sucks at times. It gives me a heart attack once every other week, but that's the way baseball works out. And so, yeah, these projection systems are not the best because this sport is dumped it's hard to predict this sport. That's just the way it works out. Okay, so let's preview the series against the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds will come to Wrigley Field on Monday. First game, night game, 7.05 p.m. Central start time. Sonny Gray on the mound for the Reds, 10-7, a ridiculous 2.8 ERA. Cole Hamels on the mound for the Cubs, a 7-7 record, a 3.89 ERA. On Tuesday, we have another 7.05 p.m. start time. Tyler Malley on the mound for the Reds, a disastrous 2-11 record, a 5.11 ERA. Hugh Darvish, the Chicago Cubs ace, on the mound, 6-6 with a 3.97 ERA. The first time all year his ERA has been under 4. On Wednesday to finish off the three-game set, we have the Reds' Luis Castillo on the mound, having a phenomenal year, a 15-6 record, a 3.22 ERA. Facing your boy John Lester on the mound, 13-10, a 4.7. 5-9-E-R-A. That game, again, night game, seven o five pm You can get tickets to this series, as always, through SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big, they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It is just a better process. Why? SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays this on an easy-to-use interactive seat map. For example, green dots on this map mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. They break down everything. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Every time, guys, I go to a baseball game, no matter, even if it's not a Cubs game, I use SeatGeek, even for football games, Bears games, wherever, I always use SeatGeek. It is the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I always buy tickets for all my family, friends. I can buy 10 plus tickets at a time. Email them, forward them over to my friends and family. It's the best, easiest process to do. It takes me under five minutes to do so. Best of all, SeatGeek will give you guys $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app and use our promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That is promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Corey, win, sweep, take care of business. Let's take this division back. Let's record on Wednesday night in first place. That's all I got.
0: Yeah, it's that simple. I I think for the rest of the year, you're not going to hear us lay out many specifics we're looking for in a series. It's all about winning. That's where we're at. And again, when when you lose guys like Javi and Rizzo, it's about these other guys stepping up. It's about everybody on this roster doing their best to contribute and just trying to win baseball games. So that is what we saw this weekend against the Pirates. Uh, again, really liked the resiliency that they showed in a couple spots and not letting those games get away from them. And a lot of guys stepping up. So that that's what you need. And that's what we're going to be looking for going forward. Just put your head down, put blinders on and win baseball games. That is what it's all about. So yep. uh, on Monday night, it is the Cubs social media night. So if any of our listeners will be there, be sure to find me. I will be there. I believe I am the lone representative of CubsInsider.com, so I'm going to be flying the banner for Cubs Insider as well as the Cubs-related podcast. Uh, how it ends up that I'm allowed to represent multiple brands at the same time is uh, a risky decision for everybody involved. Don't but not will I, I will do my best not to embarrass myself, but obviously, if you're hearing this on Monday morning and you are going to social media night at, uh, I believe, the Brick House Tavern next to Wrigley Field, uh, be sure to find me. I will be there um i haven't decided i gotta be honest with you i'm leaning uh well actually i have decided i'll decide this right now i'm gonna wear the rizzo jersey (laughs) we gotta rep anthony rizzo we gotta support our man uh and that's your home jersey right Yes, I have a okay. pinstriped white Anthony Rizzo and mm. the blue uh, World Champions patched John Lester jersey it. with me in Chicago right now. I do have the gray Chris Bryant, but that's what I wore when they won the World Series in Cleveland, so that one doesn't really get broken out very much. It's it's uh, sort of retired. It, di- it did its job. It did a you lot of heavy lifting Yeah, in, in 2016. So uh, regardless, again, social media nights, uh, a great time, a lot of great people out there. Uh, I know a lot of the prominent Figures of of Cubs Twitter, uh, you know whatever that means will 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 be in attendance. It's always a good time, great event put on by the Cubs' social media and marketing department. So I am looking forward to it. And if you will be there, I look forward to meeting you and talking Cubs baseball. And hopefully, we are talking about uh, the relief we felt when we got the Anthony Rizzo MRI results. Uh, But either way, it should be an an interesting evening uh, for for many many reasons. But With that, uh, yeah, we will talk to you after the Cubs finish up this series with the Reds. And like we said, folks... This is, uh, you know, maybe if you're not really feeling that playoff push yet, you've got about one series before it gets as serious as it gets, because then it is time to start those seven games with the Cardinals, and that is playoff mode engaged. That is as dialed in as we need everybody, and like we said at the end of that Padres series, we got to just keep doing what we can as fans. Give this team as much energy as we can for these final games at Wrigley. Field and send them off on the road, hopefully, in the best place they can be to go on and win this division and get ready for another exciting October. But we will talk to you after the Cubs finish up this Reds series. I hope to just. Keep hold of this broom that I have and and bring it back when we record at the end of this series, Uh, but we will see what awaits us. As always, we thank you guys for listening and your commentary and participation on all forms of social media. We are glad to have you as listeners of the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you soon, and no matter what, go Cubs.